Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the second Sunday after Pentecost. And the readings start with God's work and God's gifts. And the gospel lesson is about the calling of St. Matthew, Levi, and discipling. But more importantly, Jesus coming to sinners and eating with sinners. And of course, this makes the the Pharisees very upset because why would a holy, righteous man lower himself to dwell with sinners, with tax collectors? But first of all, why are tax collectors hated? So with that, how fondly do you think of the IRS or any IRS agent? I, I don't think fondly of them, and not that I hate them or uh, wish ill will, but who likes people taking your money? Well, it gets worse for the Jews because they were Jews taking money away from Jews and they were exhorting. They were uh, doing things that, well, frankly, were illegal because they had the power and the authority and the threat of Rome. So St. Matthew, not St. Matthew, let's just do Matthew would show up to your door, knock on your door and say, hi, I'm here from on behalf of the Roman Empire to collect taxes. And you would say, as a good person living in and under Roman rule, how much do I owe you? And Matthew now has the advantage, now has the ability to literally make up any number he wants. Taxes are only 10% of your annual income, but I don't particularly like you, so now it's 20. Oh, you can't pay? Well, let me call the centurions. Let me call the Roman soldiers to come and arrest you until you're able to pay. Well, of course, you're going to whip out your wallet and give them any money to make sure that you stay out of jail, that you are able to continue to live. So all the tax—no, not all. Many of the tax collectors were able to cheat the system— on the backs of their fellow countrymen, their fellow Israelites, their fellow Jews to gain wealth. And so they are not looked upon very well. In fact, they're they're hated. They're they're the pariah of the community. They are seen as true sinners because they're they're stealing. They're taking advantage of their position to get wealth and to live high on the hog and so on and so forth. And then we have our text, and this is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. And Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, 
follow me. And I love this statement, follow me. The power and might of Jesus' invitation to Matthew convicts him so much that he leaves his wealthy ways of work to follow Jesus. So to what extent do we know that uh, Matthew knows what he's doing? He's moved by the Holy Spirit, Spirit, obviously, to then do this, to leave his work, to then serve and be a part. Now, Matthew's a Jew, so he knows the Old Testament, to what extent we don't know, but he knows that the coming Messiah is promised. And I'm going to go out on a limb that he probably heard of this Jesus. Did he hear the preaching? I I don't know. But Jesus has done many things to become infamous. His um, reputation is spreading. So wherever he goes, people want to go, and maybe he'll do a miracle. Maybe he will do something provocative to, to make the Pharisees, the religious elite, or even Rome mad. And so Jesus was a spectacle, and not that Jesus was creating the spectacle, but he was doing something that was so contrary to what the Pharisees were preaching and doing, what Rome was demanding. Jesus was doing something contrary, which is interesting because he's doing nothing but what was promised in the Old Testament, to bring mercy, to bring peace, to bring the gospel of God himself for the salvation of the people. So, again, he's doing what he said he would do in the Old Testament, and he shows up and starts doing it, and everybody's shocked. Why? Why are you doing this? This is blasphemous, so on and so forth. But here we have these simple words, follow me. And Matthew, so moved, gets up and follows him. And then the text continues. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, and this is Matthew's house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, this is really important. Jesus comes to where the sinners are. He comes to the place where he knows the other tax collectors are. And again, there's safety in numbers. They they know the trade. They know the promise—not the promise. They know the security of like-mindedness. So all the tax collectors have been cast out of society because, well, frankly, they're making money off of ill-gotten ways. Uh, they are, again, cheating the system. And of course, they're going to stay together. Of course, they're going to know how and what they do together. And so they gather together, and there's other sinners, and Jesus shows up. Now, with this, please hear that Jesus goes to bring the gospel. He comes to bring them to an understanding that they may change, that they will repent. He doesn't come and say, oh, you guys are sinners. You guys are the ones cheating. Good job, and I love you. No, he comes to convict them. This is wrong. This is not the way to live. And I come to bring you the good news of salvation, that forgiveness is even yours, 
repent and change your ways. He doesn't do this high and mighty. He doesn't do this all judgmentally. And we can see this, and we have proof of this. First of all, God himself comes to be in the midst of the sinners. But how does he come? He comes veiled. He comes meek. He comes subdued in Jesus. Jesus is just a carpenter's son. Jesus is just the teacher. Jesus is just the rabbi. Jesus is just this person coming to preach the gospel. He doesn't come yelling, ranting, and raving. He doesn't come promising the wrath of God because of sin. He comes bringing the gospel. And this also has to be said. By bringing the gospel, this isn't a get-out-of-hell-free card. This isn't pointing out that sin is good. He is pointing out the gospel is for those who repent, those who change, those who believe. And we need to, to hear this. That if we are in our sins, and when I mean what I mean by that is when we are holding on to our sins, when we are saying that our sins are good, they're right, they're they're part of us, and that we hold on to them as if this was good, we are denying the work of God. We are in violation of the first commandment, thinking that we are God. We're in violation of trusting God. And we're, in fact, saying no to the work of Jesus, his perfect life, his perfect sacrifice, his death and his resurrection. We're, in fact, saying, nope, God, I'm good enough to overcome sin. In fact, when you judge me, you will see that I am good enough and that this sin doesn't matter. Well, dear listener, you know that this isn't right. You know that we stand condemned because we fall short of the glory of God. In fact, as Jesus shows up with the sinners and the idea that the Pharisees see this, why would you go to them? Do you know who those people are? And you're connecting yourselves to them. And Jesus, and this is uh, verse 12 of the text, but when he heard it, why why would Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner." And this is amazing. And this is truly a a mic drop situation for Jesus because he's looking at the Pharisees and saying, you have no need of me. Your righteousness abounds. But what does that mean? It doesn't mean that they're righteous before God. They are self-righteous, which means they're righteous before their understanding, before their laws, their demands and commands. And so what Jesus is laying out before the Pharisees and before our own pharisaical hearts, when God says in Jesus that I have come not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous, or but for the sinner, he is saying the law is laid out and no one, not one, is found righteous and right. And I have come 
to bring that very mercy, that very gift to you. I have come to call you to my righteousness, my holiness, my life, my love, my gifts. They are laid upon you. Believe and live. And of course, our pharisaical heart, just like the Pharisees of the text, say, nope, we have no need for this. We have God's law, and we're good enough to complete it. We're good enough to earn our own salvation. We don't need to connect ourselves to sinners. We, we'll just do the sacrifices. We'll just do the rituals. We'll just do what is demanded. But Jesus, on multiple occasions, quoting the Old Testament and showing the heart of the Pharisees and what they earn, Jesus says, quoting, I believe it's Isaiah, that your lips speak of the goodness of God, but your heart is far away from me. And the other one is the... The life of the Pharisee is like a whitewashed tomb. It looks all pretty on the outside, but there's nothing, nothing but death in the inside. And we need to hear these things because do we have all these out, outward signs of righteousness? Oh, I go to church, I tithe, I do this, I do that. Look how good I am. But we actually have no faith. It's actually empty. And this is what the Pharisees are doing. Because what are the tax collectors doing? What are the sinners doing? They're hearing Jesus. They are being convicted of their sins. They're coming to repentance. St. Matthew abandons his wayward ways of, of his occupation of stealing money from his fellow Jews to follow Jesus to live as a disciple, to be a fisher of men like St. Peter, James, and John. He gives up, but this is a repentance. This is a changing. This is a turning so that he will be something different. And this is what we need to hear. And on top of that, this is what we also need to do. And dear listener, it's hard because, well, I like to show how good I am. I want people to praise me. Oh, pastor, that was a great sermon. Oh, pastor, that was a great newsletter article. Oh, pastor, that was a great prayer. Of course I want to hear this. Of course I want to break my arm patting my own back. I want to look upon God and say, yep, look how good I am. But that's not what any Christian is called to do, especially a pastor. We are called to a life of sacrifice. We are to take up our cross daily and to live in the sure and certain hope of the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of Christ, and life everlasting. This means that we are daily drowned to rise a new creature, a new creation, the one that is completely supported, completely lived in and through Christ. We put all of our life in the work of what Jesus has done for us. This is what St. Matthew models for us by abandoning his occupation to then take up the life under Christ. He hears Christ. He sees Christ. He receives Christ. He participates in Christ. 
And then he writes the Gospel of St. Matthew. And this is for his fellow Jews. And if you read the Gospel, you see that he's connecting all of what Jesus does to the promise of the Old Testament, the promise of the Messiah. And this is what is connected for Matthew in those simple words, follow me. I have come for the sinner. St. Matthew, through the Holy Spirit, the preaching and teaching of Jesus is convicted and abandons the life of hopelessness, emptiness, the chasing after wealth and prestige he abandons to follow Jesus. This is what discipleship is all about. We are to abandon these earthly things. And again, it doesn't mean that we now become nuns and monks and cloister ourselves. This means that we actually know who we're serving. We're not serving our flesh. We're not serving our sinful desires. We're not serving the world. We're not serving Satan. We are serving the one who has redeemed us, the one who has called us holy, righteous. And I love this alive. And the statement of of being called alive is that we are alive in Christ. It is his life that is bestowed upon us. We are restored to the relationship that was broken in Genesis chapter 3. And what are we to do? We are to live this out in hope. And this hope isn't like, oh, I hope I make it. Oh, I hope I did enough. Oh, I hope I'm good enough. You're not good enough, and you will never do enough. But Jesus is good enough, and Jesus did enough, all for your salvation, all for your promise, all for your life everlasting. And this is what this event in St. Matthew chapter 9 opens up for us. And we need to hear this, especially as we continue with the implementation of the strategic plan with the disciple-making. Are we really following Jesus? And with that, is it that, oh, we do the outward things? What about our true inner being, our true heart? Are we giving lip service to God, going through the motions, or are we truly repenting, turning away from our sinful worldly actions to hold on to the fullness of what Jesus gives and delivers? And again, this is hard because our standard operating procedure, the the standard way that we do things is selfishness. It is all about the self, the I, the me. But Jesus sacrifices everything so that you will be part of him and that his love, his grace, his mercy will so transform you that you will be a child of light and that not only in your repentance, but in your life of faith, you will be seen and your works, your faith will be seen and manifested so that others will see God's love in and on you. Let us rejoice that you have heard the words, follow me, and have received them, and live them out in the faith and the repentance of what God delivers to you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. 
I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.